It's our season finale, and we are closing out season two by talking about eternity. That's right, folks. The subject is eternity, coming up on this edition of The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. If you're a business owner, then you know hiring quality team members is a real challenge. And a bad hire can destroy workplace culture and cost you tens of thousands of dollars to unwind. That's why we use Red Balloon. They specialize in connecting job seekers and employers with aligned values without all the woke nonsense. Over 15,000 job seekers visit redballoon.work every week, looking for businesses that won't force them to pledge allegiance to a bunch of liberal policies. Every job seeker on Red Balloon pledges to pursue excellence in their work, create success for themselves and their employer, and avoid bringing personal political agendas into the workplace. At redballoon.work, learn about the packages for entrepreneurs, small businesses, larger enterprise businesses, and even a recruiter service to help you find your people. Finding the right people can make or break your company's future. Check out redballoon.work today. Welcome to this week's News in Review. This week we start off with some sad news, as you may have heard Pat Robertson died at the age of 93. This man loved God, was an active, active individual on the political front, always promoting God's kingdom, was actually a presidential candidate at one point. He started the Christian Broadcasting Network, CBN, and turned it into something quite awesome. And it's just as sad as we see many Christians who seem to have very strong voices in the community of just trying to bring God's word to a fallen world, such as Billy Graham, Paul Crouch, Kim Clement, Ravi Zacharias. We've lost all of these folks in the recent past. And then we hear Rick Joyner had a stroke this past week, and it just makes me wonder what in the world is going on. But I can tell you, none of these men is perfect. But these men all promoted the gospel, and they will surely be missed. So I just wanted to tip my hat to Pat Robertson, as we will see him again in glory. Now to some of the what I would call the crazy news, but it's becoming normal news as we share it every week. A Maryland Democrat is declaring that white women should be struck down from leadership in order to dismantle systemic racism. Love what Justice Thomas says on this kind of thing. When you try to tackle systemic racism, you don't battle racism with racism. Even if you think it's good racism, racism is still racism, and therefore we should avoid it. I hate these kind of knee-jerk reactions. That's something we should run from. And speaking of running, how about Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s running to the border? Uh, a lot of people are going, hey, you shouldn't write this guy off, Biden, because he's going to give you a run for your money. And I think, well, here we are. We have a candidate a Democratic presidential candidate who's already been to the border more time than Biden has, <laughs> if you think about that for a second. And speaking of the Biden administration, they're preparing to target, once again, America's gas furnaces amid their stove crackdown. Now, I know we've reported this on the past about trying to get rid of gas stoves, but now they're going after gas furnaces. You know how you heat your home. You know 
the form of fuel that absolutely is the most efficient out there, yep, this administration is coming for that too. It just blows me away the depths that this administration will go to cause chaos. And speaking of chaos and information, Mark Zuckerberg admitted that the establishment, when he talks about establishment, he's talking about the scientific community, he's talking about the media. They asked him to censor information that now he finds out, I'm sorry, it was related to COVID-19 and how he was asked to censor that information. It turns out what he was asked to censor on quote-unquote misinformation turned out in some cases to be questionable, but in other cases, what people were touting was actually true. And the information that the administration, that the establishment was touting was actually untrue. Well, we all knew that, but for Zuckerberg to actually admit that is kind of a big deal. And another crazy story, I think we read this from, it was Massachusetts or some other state, but now California is doing the same thing. There are, uh, a recently amended bill could punish parents who refuse to affirm the child's gender identity. I mean, talk about the foxes ruling the hen house. We're actually going to literally say that children get to decide what they do. If parents don't support that, they can be punished. I mean, come on, come on. Now, probably the biggest news story of the week was the Trump indictment, that he's been indicted by the Department of Justice for the handling or so-called mishandling of classified information. This indictment was unsealed on Friday, and Trump is being charged with 31 counts of willful retention of national defense information under the Espionage Act and one count of false statements and representations. He's also charged with one count of conspiracy to obstruct justice, one count of withholding a document or record, one count of corruptly concealing a document or record, one count of concealing a document in a document in a federal investigation, and one count of scheming to conceal. And then his uh, body man, as they call it, Walt Nauda, was also additionally charged with several others, or with several other indictments. Now, I have to say for a minute, I've never condoned Trump holding classified information. I just haven't. I don't agree with it. I believe, this is my opinion, but I believe to some degree, Trump was flipping the virtual middle finger to the establishment. They said that we get those records back, and he responded in kind. Not saying that that's right, but for the Department of Justice to go after Trump for this, oh my, oh my. What the message that's really being sent here is that when somebody leaves office, it's open game to persecute them. And to emphasize my point, I would like to play a clip. And then I'm going to give you the background of this clip. But the very first thing is, I just want you to hear the clip itself. Productive conversations with prosecutors about what resolution may be appropriate, given the evidence. In this case, given the importance of the matter, I think unusual transparency is in order. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Prosecutors necessarily weigh a number of factors before deciding whether to bring charges. There are obvious considerations like the strength of the evidence, especially regarding intent. Responsible decisions also consider the context of a person's actions and how similar situations have been handled in the past. In looking back at our investigations into the mishandling or removal of classified information, we cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. Really? How similar cases have been handled in the past. Did you hear that? That was FBI Director James Comey more than six years ago when he 
announced a press conference to share the findings of the Hillary Clinton case in which a server with classified emails was found in her home. Now, when we think about similar cases and we think about intent, which is what exactly James Comey said, you have to go back to what was that story? And if you remember, Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State. She did not have the ability to classify information, unlike Trump. He has the ability to declassify anything that he wants. Secondly, she had that email server that everyone knew, everyone knew that she was also running the Clinton crime syndicate out of it. And when the Department of Justice said, we're investigating this, save all records, save all records, save all emails, what did Hillary Clinton do? She went out and performed BleachBit. Now, what is that? That's a software program. It's a hard reset. It destroys everything. She wiped out the entire server with BleachBit. Why? Presumably, so no one could actually see what was on it. So when you think about intent, when you think about criminal activity, Hillary gets a pass, but not so with Donald Trump. And Comey has recently had other press conferences where he thinks Trump should be prosecuted and he thinks we need to go after Trump. And I'm just listening to this and I'm like, is that a double standard? Hillary clearly violated the law. And when the court told her to preserve the records so that we could take a look, she destroyed all the evidence. Talk about obstruction of justice. Are you kidding me? And so then we have Trump here who had classified documents in his Mar-a-Lago residence. Okay, well, is that the only case? No, actually, President Biden is in the midst of his own controversy because they have found classified material everywhere, not just at his residence, in his garage, in the trunk of his Corvette, at various universities and other places. He's got classified materials all over the place since he was VP. No comment on that. So are we going to go after him after he gets out of office? I mean, we should if this is the new standard. And again, I'm not giving Trump a pass on whether or not that he's been collaborative with the National Record and Archives, that group that handles this classified information. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is James Comey is a liar or the Department of Justice is a liar because they don't treat Trump the way that they would treat other people and how cases have been handled in the past. No, they're going to do everything he can, the, everything they can to destroy him. But here's my biggest concern. My biggest concern in all of this, that this is going to fuel the folks to get Trump elected as the GOP nominee, and then it's going to be used against him in the general election. Now, I also recognize that God can trump all that. I personally have not prayed about this to know really what God has chosen for America, or what he wants for America. But from just a pure wisdom perspective, I see a lot of danger in the road ahead for the GOP. I see a lot of danger ahead for conservatism. I see a lot of danger ahead in our country, for a country that has been moving at light speed towards lawlessness. So anyway, that really, to me, is very, very frustrating this week, as I really do see President Trump as he's been treated much differently than other people in cases like this. He has been targeted. And I just wonder if there's ever going to be justice done. Folks, for this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. Hello and welcome to this edition of The Grid. I'm Sean Griffin filling in for Chris Kuhlman. He and his family are in the process of moving to Texas. I occasionally co-host with Chris on key subjects and behind the scenes, I'm the producer. A little housekeeping note, this episode closes out season two. 
We will then take a four-week break to give Chris and his family time to move, get settled, situated, relaxed, hopefully, and adjusted to their new environment. Then we're back for season three. So today, I want to talk about eternity. I want to talk a little bit about heaven, give you kind of an idea of what it's about in order to then pivot and contrast it with hell. But it's all about eternity. For instance, some folks have the idea that heaven is hanging out on fluffy white clouds playing harps all day long, forever and ever. They're concerned that a couple billion years from now, they might get quite bored with playing the harp on fluffy white clouds. Well, heaven's not like that, but I'll take that any day over hell, roasting like a pig in a Hawaiian barbecue pit forever and ever. Today, I want to talk about eternity, but I really want to focus more on the hell side of it. If you know someone that is teeter-tottering about eternity or about their relationship with God, when I say relationship with God, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. If you know someone who's teeter-tottering about trusting God with their life, or they're considering eternity, or they're agnostic or atheist, turn them on to this podcast because the whole reason for letting people know about eternity, that it's long and that hell is real, is because we don't want them to go there. We care about them and we don't want them to go there. So the very simple fact that you're reaching out to them, the atheist, the agnostic, the undecided, by encouraging them to listen to this message, you are literally telling them that you care. You want to know that when they die, you will see them again if they precede you in death. Because for the believer, knowing that someone died in Christ Jesus means they are alive in Christ in heaven. You have the promise that not only has our friend or loved one gone into eternity and are still alive in heaven, but you know that you will see them again. When you get there, it will seem like such a short gap between now and then, even though for some it could be 30 or 40 years later. So I want to encourage you, reach out to friends and family, those that are atheist, agnostic, teetering back and forth as to what they believe, the undecided about God or eternity, the ones who may be living a horrible lifestyle, reach out to them. Today is a day for them to hear what I hope is a different perspective on eternity than they may have heard before. Let's start off by talking about death. And let's talk about a couple of phrases. The first one is the word eternal. Eternal is have always existed, will always exist. Now, only God is eternal. He's always existed, and he will always exist. We know this from Scripture. How is it that he has always existed? We don't know. That's a mystery to us. He has not revealed that to us in the natural. Hopefully, when we get to heaven, we'll find out. The next word is everlasting. In a timeline, something is everlasting if it has a beginning and never ends. Well, that's us. Our timeline begins with conception. So from conception forward, that would be everlasting. The next word is immortal. Our bodies are mortal. 
Think of them as a suit we wear that helps us interface with the world around us. But because of one sin, the sin in the Garden of Eden, our flesh is susceptible to death. Immortal means lives forever. It is not eternal, that is different. Immortal is lives forever. We've seen all kinds of movies and TV shows about characters that are immortal. They can't die. We're talking about immortal versus mortal in this moment. That will play out better coming up. The next phrase is the image of God. Our soul is immortal. It cannot die. Our flesh is mortal. So as a human being, we are a combination of the mortal and the immortal. You are created in the image of Almighty God. He is an eternal being. In his image, you will exist forever. The reason your soul will exist forever from conception forward is because you're made in the image of God. We are not God, but we have characteristics that make us just a little less than him. Ways that we are less than him, the big ones are pretty obvious. He is omniscient, which means all-knowing. He's omnipresent, which means everywhere. He's all-powerful, meaning there is nothing or no one more powerful than he is. Now, I know there's a lot of folks in this world that think that God and Satan are co-equal but opposites. They are not. God is righteous, Satan is unrighteous, but he is nowhere close to as powerful as God is. He is not the opposite of God, because the only way you can be the opposite of something is if you are at least as powerful. He is not. There is no one the opposite of God. So I want to stress, we are made in the image of God. We are not eternal. We are everlasting. 2 Corinthians 5.8, for the believer, the follower of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That means that when we die, when this suit of flesh dies, our soul leaves it. And we begin that very quick, very rapid journey into the presence of God the Father. Many testimonies that I've heard, get a couple of angels that is immediately come around you and escort you into his presence. If you haven't known Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, there are two dark figures that come to your side and they drag you immediately in terror in a direction you do not want to go. We're hoping to avoid that with this episode. All right, eternity, heaven or hell. Let's now take a glimpse of heaven. Here are some things that we know from testimony and from scripture. And it is important to understand if any part of a testimony disagrees with scripture, the testimony itself is suspect. Now, maybe just that part of it they got wrong, but the testimony is suspect if it violates scripture. Here's what we know from scripture and from testimonies. You will be known as you are known. A lot of people are concerned, oh, will I look like myself? Will people know who I am? Yes, not a problem at all. Adults will look roughly 18 to 26 years old, so they will look young. So, for instance, when Adam was created, he was created as a full adult. 
if you had walked around the corner 10 minutes after he was born, so to speak, he would have looked like he was 18 to 26 years old. He would look like he's been around for a while, though he has actually just been alive for 10 minutes. We will have jobs. We'll have things to do, and those jobs that we have, those tasks, they'll be based on the giftings that we have now. Are you a baker? You'll be a baker there. Are you a singer? Are you a musician? Are you an artist? Are you an architect? Things that you do here, you will similarly do in heaven. Heaven is very much like earth, but much more tangible than what we see in here right now. Next up, you will have a magnificent place to live that's designed specifically with you in mind, your likes, and the things that bring you joy. I've heard testimonies. There are sky mansions. There are mansions underwater, mansions in places that people enjoyed living when they were here as part of this life. There are mansions for singers where they have full auditoriums and folks can come to their house and experience concerts. It's such a great place. Your pets will be there waiting for you. I know a lot of people are concerned about their pets. Yes, your pets will be there waiting for you. Heaven is more real and more tangible than the physical world we're in contact with on a daily basis, as I just said a moment ago. We will not be limited to communicating verbally with our mouths. I've heard many testimonies of folks that have come into the presence of the Lord and they asked a question in their head, but they didn't verbalize it and they were immediately answered. And I've heard of folks, their testimony is that they have visited heaven. They weren't dead, but they were visiting heaven. The Lord called them to visit. And they too have experienced situations where not everything communicated was done so by mouth. Uh, the next thing is so cool. We will know folks. We won't have to be introduced to them. We will just know people. We'll know who Adam and Eve are. We'll know Noah and Moses, King David, King Saul, Elijah. Imagine looking over and seeing the Apostle Paul or Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. We'll know them. And of course, we'll know Jesus. I remember a testimony um, back some years ago when I was uh, in college. Our church was sponsoring a youth spring break camp. It was a really cool camp. And on one particular night, one of the girls shared with us, she was, she was crying. Her grandfather was in ICU. There were heart issues. We gathered around her and we prayed for her grandfather as the group. There was probably maybe eight of us in the group. The following evening, we got back in our group session and Julie was just so excited. She'd just gotten off the phone with her parents, and this was her testimony. In the middle of the night, her grandfather woke up in the ICU, and standing at the foot of his bed was Jesus. And she said, y'all don't understand. My grandfather doesn't even want to be in the same room with the Bible. Not even the same room. And Jesus was standing at the foot of his desk. They needed no introduction. He knew it was Jesus. 
And Jesus said to him, everything is going to be okay. The next thing grandpa did was call his son, Julie's father. And Julie's dad took off to the hospital in the middle of the night. Julie's dad is a believer and sat with his dad and they talked about the gospel and grandpa gave his life to Jesus. I will tell you with great certainty that that had an effect on that little group of teenagers. It had a great impact on me. It was so awesome because from that time forward, if you ever hear me asking the Lord to reveal himself to someone, you know that I mean it. It was awesome. It was just so awesome. Lots of cool things happened during that week, but that's the thing that just totally blows me away. So anyway, getting back to this, Grandpa didn't need any introduction. He knew that that was Jesus. When we're in heaven, we're going to know things. Think about it this way. When you have a dream, quite often there are certain things that you know about certain characters in the dream, and yet you weren't read in on that prior to the dream happening. You happen to know this person is a plumber, and this person over here is the teacher, and or this, that, uh, there are just things in a dream that you know heaven is kind of like that. You will know who these people are. We will be able to view all the massive historical events chronicled in scripture, and I'm really looking forward to that. We'll be able to see when God spoke the universe into existence. We're going to be able to see, think of it as watching a video, we're going to be able to see Moses parting the Red Sea. It's going to be awesome. So looking forward to it. There are billions of galaxies that need to be cared for, and it's likely that we will help do that. So that closes out the overview of heaven that I just wanted to give you. wanted to give you a little taste about heaven that sometimes is not specifically spoken of. Now we're going to pivot, and we're going to talk about the other side of eternity. We're going to talk about hell when we return. Okay, I see shared videos every day of one-year-old Johnny falling asleep with his face in his birthday cake. If you can share that video, surely you can share the grid with your friends and neighbors. Post it on Facebook, like it on YouTube, share it on Twitter, email it, text it. And for goodness sake, hit that like button and give us a five-star rating when you listen. Thank you for joining the fight for faith and freedom. And we're back. As I said before the break, we're going to pivot and we're going to talk about the other side of eternity. We're talking about hell. So we're turning our focus there. The Bible describes hell as a place of torment, darkness, fire, and most important of all, separation from God. It is the destination for unbelievers, sinners, those who follow Satan, and those who have rejected Christ. It is also known by a few other names, Sheol, Gehenna, the Lake of Fire, the Second Death, the Unquenchable Fire. Hell is a place of unending torment and suffering, where there is no peace and no hope. Let's dive a little bit further into a description of it. 
It's a place of torment. Scripture talks about gnashing of teeth and wailing. It talks about fire and complete separation from God. The lake, that's a really good description of the lake of fire. Now, somehow, now in the spirit realm, sometimes there are things that seem to contradict each other, but the spirit realm has a physics that's a bit different from ours. So scripture talks about hell is outer darkness, and yet folks will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Okay, so how can you have darkness and yet fire at the same time? In the realm of the spirit, that is very possible. Darkness is an absence of the light of God. So even though there are flames, it's very likely that the flames are not visible. But to our naked eye, flames in the flesh are very visible. There's going to be the wailing and gnashing of teeth, complete and utter separation from God. You don't know loneliness until you suddenly experience separation from God. Now, here's the deal. I've really only heard a couple of people talk about separation from God. Most of us don't know what the separation from God is because he is omniscient. He is everywhere, but in hell, his presence will not be there. He has the ability to not be somewhere for his presence to never manifest. And so even though you may have never experienced the presence of God, you may have never followed him. You have rejected him from the moment that you heard the concept of God. And yet you have been privileged to be around his presence. You just didn't recognize it. But when he is suddenly not present, you will know. It's like suddenly there's no air. Suddenly there's no light. Suddenly there's no cold. There's no warmth. Suddenly it's quiet and you're all alone. That's really the only way I can think of being in a place where God's presence isn't. It is terrifying. All right, there's a look. Hell looks like a place of torment and agony. It's a conscious torment. It is a physical torment. It's a place where sinners are punished for their sin, for rejecting Christ, for embracing all the sins that they just enjoyed throughout life. And ultimately, we are paying for the sin of rejecting Christ. He paid the price for our soul to escape this very punishment, but we can reject it. He has given us free will. We can reject him. Hell is a place of torment, as I've said repeatedly. It just cannot be oversold. It is horrible. Think of it this way. Hell was designed and intended for Satan and his followers. There was a rebellion in heaven, and one-third of the angels followed Satan. That is the point at which Satan became what well, he was Lucifer, and that's how he got the name Satan. He's also referred to as the devil. Those angels, when they fell, they became what is known as demons. You can check that out in Matthew 25, 41, Revelation 20, verse 10. Think of hell 
as a supermax prison for powerful, immortal, spiritual beings. That's what hell was designed for. Well, if you reject Christ, if you reject the rescue mission that Jesus came on by coming to this earth and bearing our sin in his flesh by being flogged, tortured, and beaten, and being hung on a cross, then there's no place else for you to go. There's heaven or there's hell. There's no in-between. So if you reject the price that Jesus paid, then you can't get into heaven. So there is only one place to go, and you have gone there by your choice. I think it really is very effective to think of it as a supermax prison for powerful, immortal, spiritual beings. Those angels are not going to die either. Those demons are not going to die either. Now, they weren't created in God's image but they are everlasting. So let's take a quick look at key passages about hell. Matthew 13, 50. We're just going to peruse through these really quickly, but we will have them listed in the show notes. Matthew 13, 50. Furnace of fire, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Think about this, folks. The people are spending eternity in hell. It's very likely that they will see people in the distance. But they will definitely hear them wailing and screaming. They won't necessarily be able to under, understand a single word that they're saying, but they will hear the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Mark 9, 48, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The fire of the lake of fire will never go out and worms will devour your flesh. But think about this. The flesh that you have in the spirit is immortal. So worms will consume your body. And since you can't die, you regenerate. You're just one constant regeneration of flesh for worms to eat. Imagine being eaten alive, being burned alive, and being tormented and tortured forever and ever and ever. That's hard to believe for a day. That's hard to believe for a week. But we're not talking about a day or a week. We're talking about billions upon trillions of years. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Revelations 14.10 He will be tormented with fire and brimstone. Revelation 14.11 The smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. You'll never know rest again. Revelation 20, 14 through 15. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Hell is eternal and irreversible. Now, I want to talk about the two deaths. We started off toward the beginning talking about death and everlasting life. So as a human, it's possible to experience two deaths. The first death everybody experiences is the death of the flesh, the death of the body. Now, this is where things change for eternity. For the believer, there's life everlasting. For the one who's rejected Jesus, who's chosen his own way, 
there is eternity in hell and what is called the second death. Now, this death isn't like the death of the flesh, where life ceases to exist and the soul simply leaves the body. No, you do not cease to exist. Obviously, we've been talking about eternity. You were made in God's image. You will live forever. You will exist forever. Let's just refer to it as existing. You will exist forever. But the second death for the unbeliever is eternal punishment. You will exist in the state of eternal punishment every moment of every day forever and ever. This is why so many people are out there trying to tell people and warn people about hell. They don't want them to go there. It is that simple. Let's talk about some more key facts about eternity. Everyone will exist eternally, either in heaven or in hell. We've already talked about that. References for that are found in Daniel 12, verses 2 and 3. Matthew 25, verse 46, John 5, verse 28, and Revelations 20. Revelation 20 is full, just full of good stuff. Everyone only has this one life in which to determine their destiny. Hebrews 9, 27 says that it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. We've got just this life, folks. That's it. The moment that we die, there's not somebody saying, hey, you want to change your mind and go back? There have been many occasions where the Lord sent somebody back, said it's not your time, and then boom, they're sent back. That happens. That's not a second chance. That's it wasn't their time. And something happened that put them there a little early. So the Lord sends them back. An individual's destination, heaven or hell, is determined by whether or not they choose to believe, put their trust in Jesus alone. Because only Jesus alone can save them. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.36 says, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Not cool. All right, I've got a short list of things that a person going to hell will forever experience, meaning several thousand billion years from now, you will have spent every single day experiencing the short list. The putrid smell of sulfur. You won't be able to get away from it. For billions of years, you will not escape the putrid smell of sulfur. For billions of years, you will not be able to escape the unbearable heat, the isolation, complete and utter loneliness, outer darkness, fear, terror. You will never escape fear or terror. 
hunger, thirst. You will not escape any of that torment over and over again. And as we've mentioned already multiple times, the absence of the presence of God. These are things that will be a part of your experience every day for billions upon billions upon billions of years to come. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the list that I refer to as never again when we return. Have you told your friends and family about Biden's latest teleprompter gaffe? Which one, you ask? There's so many to choose from. But if you're having a good laugh at the family picnic about Biden's latest incomprehensible rant, then perhaps you should mention the Kingdom Paycheck Group and our podcast, The Grid. Why? Because we're actually doing something positive to try and improve our country instead of destroying it like that Looney Tune. Tell your family to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us and listen to The Grid on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and a host of other platforms. We grow when you talk. That's kingdompatriot.us. And we're back. As I said before the break, the podcast has been working its way toward this list, a list that I refer to as never again, no more. For the believer going to heaven, no more sighing, no more dying, crying, pain, suffering, sickness, disease, bad news, no more abuse, foul language, crime, poverty, lack, no more racism, arrogance, no more bullying, no more fraud, no more lying, no more deception, scorn, ridicule, fear, trembling, nightmares, no more abandonment. All of those are things that we will be free of forever. For the unbeliever, the list isn't exhaustive, but I do have literally 60 items to mention. I want you to think about this. This is for the unbeliever, because we're talking about days that lead into weeks, that lead into years, decades, millennia, and I don't even know what's beyond the millennium. Hundreds of billions of years. In 150 billion years, you still haven't come to the end of eternity because eternity doesn't come to an end. And 150 billion years seems like a long time, but it's worse when you're not in heaven. I want you to think about the impact of being affected by these next 60 things that I'm going to list off because you're in, in hell. Never again will there be comfort, love, affection. Never again will you see a sunrise or a sunset, hear birds singing, experience hugs, kisses, holding an infant, pets, food, water, your favorite beverage, the smell of baked goods, a full tummy, conversation, friendship, friends, camaraderie. You will never talk to another soul ever again. Sunshine, no more moonlit nights, no more rain, never again a gentle breeze, 
never again any type of relief whatsoever. No more birthdays, holidays, vacation. No more celebrations. No more gifts. Shopping. Kind words. Sleep. Rest. Naps. A shower. No more arts. No more music. No more beauty. No more travel, recreation, sports of any type. No more games. Hiking, fishing, hunting, camping, s'mores. Leisure of any kind. No more. Never again. No more laughter, wit, humor, a good book, a good movie. Never again a walk on the beach, a walk in the park. Never again ice cream, family, children, neighbors, people. Never again safety, security, or peace. 62 items. I added as we were going along. 62 items. And that's not even exhaustive. Never again. No more. A person who doesn't know Jesus and doesn't go to heaven, those items they will never experience again. And who's to say what's the hardest? But think about it. For billions upon billions upon billions of years, you will never talk to another soul. This is why people are talking to other people about eternity, about hell. We don't want you to go there. And there are arrogant fools like Mr. Reagan, the youngest son of Ron Reagan, who gets on television and says that he's not afraid as an atheist to die and go to hell. I really do hope that the Lord reveals, just gives him a glimpse of eternity in hell to wake that man up, to realize he does not know what he's talking about, that his soul is in danger. I do hope that you will share this podcast with somebody who has been trying to determine what to do. Do I believe in God? Do I not believe in God? What's heaven like? What's eternity like? I do hope that you will pass this on to them. And let me address the one who is indecisive. You can mock the Christians all day long, but I want you to understand that the reason that you're listening to this, the reason that anybody tells you about hell and about heaven is because they love you. It's been said multiple times during this sitting, you're loved. The reason that somebody would tell you the truth about heaven and hell is because you were loved. They do not want to see you spend eternity in hell. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, why not now? All it takes is to be born again. Jesus said, in order to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Now Nicodemus, it's like, how on earth can you crawl back up? I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Crawl back up into your mama's womb. Yeah, that, you know, talk about painful. No, that's not what he meant. You must be born again born of water in the spirit. The first time that you're born, you're born of water. Your mom's water breaks shortly thereafter. Hopefully uh, you come out. Being born again is to be born of the spirit. And all that is, is just turning to Jesus and just repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. 
please forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. And I ask that you would give your life to me. Amen. Thank you for sticking with me as we discuss eternity. As I said at the top of the show, we're going to take a four-week break, and we will return with Season 3. Till next time. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Red Balloon, and all the pushback they're doing against wokeness in the workplace. Go to redballoon.work today to learn how like-minded job seekers and employers can find each other. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot.